Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hello, my friends. I'm so happy to be connecting with you this week on Breast Cancer Conversations. I'm your host, Laura Carfing, and if you're joining us for the first time, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and receive notifications each time we come out with a new episode. To all of you who tune in every week, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. Good morning, good morning, and happy Thursday, everybody. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting because I don't normally record on a Thursday, and here we are together on your morning commute or just hanging out and listening to the podcast. So I'm so excited to be joining all of you this morning. So cheers, pour yourself a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, and let's dive right in. Today we talk and continue the conversation with Caitlin Edmonds. If you missed the first half of this conversation, go back to Monday and hear a little bit about Caitlin, her experience with egg retrieval, chemotherapy, her entire experience with um, being diagnosed with breast cancer. But today we're going to continue the conversation with her because she actually uses a method utilizing cold caps to preserve her hair follicles so she didn't have to lose as much hair as some of us do when we go through very intense chemotherapy regimens. I learned something new and I, I don't know if you guys already know this, but I thought I would share. When you guys are going through chemotherapy, does your infusion nurse ever bring over like a cup of ice and just ask you to just continue snacking on ice chips? I thought they were just being kind and just like offering me ice as something to do. But what I did realize was that the ice chips are actually numbing your your mouth, right? Like your taste buds, your the insides of your mouth, your gums, etc. And the idea is that when you are sucking on these ice chips and chewing away on these ice chips getting an infusion, it actually decreases the risk of you developing cold sores, which is one of the side effects potentially from chemotherapy. So there's a reason there, right? And cold caps work very similarly. The idea is that you would wear this hat or this cap of some sort that is incredibly cold and freezes the hair follicles so that while you are going through chemotherapy, it will kind of prevent the chemo from going to that part of the body and preserve the hair. We have Caitlin on the show today, and she's going to talk to us about her experience with cold caps. So without further ado, welcome to the conversation. This is interesting because, you know, I think when you find out that you are going to have chemotherapy, I think it's very easy for all of us to immediately think, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my hair, right? That's like, the first thought usually. (laughs) And so, you know, people feel like there's an identity sometimes to your hair or sometimes it's like probably, you know, outside of the surgery and losing like your breasts, you're losing a very like feminine component of yourself, right? And so I remember Googling um, the cold caps and reading reviews and was not sure whatsoever, like, should I do this? Should I not do this? I was taking into account like the financial investment of doing something like this. And for me personally, I chose not to just because, you know, it was it was one more thing for me that I was just like, you know what, I have too much going on just managing the chemotherapy and the diagnosis. Let's just shave my head, go get a drink after I shave my head. <laughs> like be a rock star for a little while. Um, But I would love to hear your decision-making process of how you came to even hear about this option. 
So similarly, yes, I feel like, you know, when they told me chemo was happening, I feel like my parents freaked out of like, oh, your body and it's poison. And I was more like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my hair. Um, I just, it freaked me out so bad. That was like one of the scarier part. I mean, other than, you know, making sure I'm not like dying tomorrow. I was like, this is my like big concern. It just like freaked me out. I feel like, like you said, like it always, I've always had really long hair. It felt like part of who I was. Um, and I also just like the thought of feeling like, I don't know, other people like knowing I was sick, like kind of like freaked me out too. Like I just like the whole thing I wanted to just feel as normal as I could. And I felt like losing my hair would make me feel like I, like everyone else would know. Um, and so my friend, like I'd mentioned, um, that was actually younger than me. She had done the cold cap. She actually didn't totally recommend it to me. She didn't have the best luck with it. Um, and so she kind of said for how much, like you said, the investment and how hard it is to do that. She didn't totally recommend it because she's like, in the end, I still feel like I needed a wig at the end. Like I, lost way more than was I expected to. And so I had that one, you know, her opinion. And then one of my grandma's um, friends actually had done it. And I had a call, talk to her on the phone and she couldn't say enough good things about it. So I kind of had two ends of the spectrum. I had one person telling me like, and it didn't really work. The other person who was like, oh my God, like I barely lost any hair. Right. For our listeners, too, I know we just jumped right into like cold caps because this is terminology we use. But to back up just one quick second, do you mind defining like what the purpose of the cold caps are and how they work? Yeah. Um, so there's different companies that do it. Um, it's big in Europe. And um, I think it's just kind of more becoming a thing here. Um, but essentially, it is a kind of like, is it like neoprene or it's like a soft gel kind of hat um, that you wear before, during, and after chemo, and it's on dry ice. It's super, 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 super cold, and basically it freezes your hair follicles so that your follicles are not absorbing as much of the chemotherapy, essentially preserving that follicle and the hair not falling out Hmm. um, is kind of the science behind it, I guess. So um, some people are like, oh, well, is that safe because then you're not getting chemo in that area? And pretty much even my, like, my um, oncologist is like, they say we don't have evidence to support that the cold caps work. They don't like necessarily recommend it. Um, but she was like, no, it's totally safe. Like you're, you don't need chemo in your hair follicles. Like it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so that's basically like the point behind it. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I talked to two people opposite ends. Um, I took both of the grain of salt. Um, the one that loved it also did not have the same chemo plan that I had. Um, so I did um, four rounds of AC and then four rounds of Taxol. And the cold cap was actually created specifically for AC chemotherapy. Like, I guess AC is most like, I mean, after one round, you're losing all your hair. So it's most associated to hair loss. So it was developed specifically for that kind. Um, And so this one person had told me she had so much success. I also kind of knew, well, the kind I'm getting is going to probably make my hair fall faster than it made yours or more aggressively. So um, I didn't know exactly, but I think just given how strongly I felt about trying, I was like, I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. Um, I am lucky that I had family support financially. Cause like you mentioned, it's definitely an investment. Um, there's lots of different ways you can go about it. And I've heard some insurances now like cover part, or I've even heard of some Kaiser centers have ones that are actually like in the infusion centers. So they mm-hmm. like are hooked up to a chair 
um, that'll do it. Um, but I went through penguin cold caps. That's just who two people, both the people I knew had gone through them. So I figured I'll do that. Um, and they are a European based company, but they had representatives, um, in the Bay area. And so, um, you upfront, you go through like a huge questionnaire of all this, you know, the different kind of your treatment plan and your history and all these different things. Um, I remember that's kind of when I learned more about like products I was using because they had asked me, oh, does your deodorant have aluminum in it? Um, which at the time it did. And they're like, okay, you have to stop using that because it's absorbed, you know, through your bloodstream all the way around. And it comes out of your hair follicles, I guess, like the chemicals. And so it can like reduce the, you know, efficacy of the cold cap. Um, and I'm reading like, that's creepy. Um, right. Yeah. And so, yeah. So you essentially pay to rent the cold caps and supplies and they give you a whole other list of supplies that you need to buy. And then they, the company I went through had a service. Um, so you could choose to add on a cold capper to come with you to your appointment. And we decided to do that for the first round. And with the intention of this person will come and teach my friends and family how to do it. Um, you have to change it every 20 minutes. Mm. You have like four caps and they rotate on dry ice. So they have like levels in the cooler um, because they have to be a certain temperature in order to work. Um, and so you, basically you know checking the temp you have to take the thermometer check the temperature of it if it's too cold you had to sit there and rub it if it wasn't cold enough you had to put it back in there and like layer it with more dry ice it was you know big process and then you know it's wrapped around your head super tight in a certain way for it to work um and so our intention was he'll come that first day teach everyone how to do it and then we'll be good good ongoing um i feel like it just was so overwhelming i was so sick from the chemo so every time they changed it i had to run to the bathroom to get sick because i was you know, the anesthesia and all that. Um, it's also just a lot with the, like I said, I mean, he was the entire time. Everyone's like, what did he do for that whole time? I'm like, oh, he was like working. <laughs> he was taking the temperature and doing all that stuff. So my family decided you're just going to come every time. Like, it's just easier to have you do it. You're the best at it. Um, he did it really, you know, my family by the end of the day was trying to do it. And he's like, you're not doing it tight enough. It's not going to work as well. So um, we ended up bringing him on and keeping him the whole time, um, which was great. It was a huge, huge help. I told, again, that's also an extra cost that you have to pay for. So I totally understand that it's not, you know, an option for a lot of people, but I'm grateful that it was, you know, for me. And then I had that support to make that happen. Um, cause I definitely feel like for me, it was worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, there were times I questioned it for sure because it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was worth it for me in the long run. Absolutely. I mean, even like the price for wigs using real hair is like outrageous. I remember I got like a prescription for a wig and I think it was close to like $2,000. And that was like with insurance supporting it. Yeah. And I'm like, I like, I don't know. I just, I, I miss having my long hair. I'm trying to grow it out now, which is coming along, which is really great. But I think at the time, I was just so overwhelmed by the financial burdens of everything. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get a couple cute hats and yeah. or like little caps. I was also lucky that I was going through all of my treatment in the winter. So it was yeah. very easy just to kind of like wear my beanie like all the time. Yeah, um, sure. So that was fine for me. Yeah. Were yeah. you working through chemotherapy? I was, yeah. Um, I took off. So I had chemo every other Thursday. So I would take off. Thursday, Friday, Monday, um, like a hundred percent. Um, I was off cause uh, the AC, I mean, by the time I got home from that appointment, I mean, you couldn't have paid me a million dollars to stay awake. I was 
just out for the count for three days, like dead asleep. Um, and then that Tuesday and then the whole time until Thursday, I would pretty much, I was back to work full time. The first few days coming back, a lot of times I would leave in the afternoons and come home and like work from home um, just to kind of almost make myself relax. I felt decent through chemo. And so it was easy for me to just keep going through my normal routine. But, you know, my doctor <coughs> kept saying like, you need to slow it down. You need to be careful. And so I kind of left every day at like two in the afternoon. And that was like, go home, work, um, take it easy so that I wasn't overdoing it. Um, mm-hmm. So that was pretty much my like routine through chemo. Yeah. And did you tell your coworkers that you were going through this? Yeah, I work for a very, very small company. Um, and so it's pretty much like my boss is the owner of the company. And then I was full time. We had um, kind of off and on, we've had a few other full time employees. Um, and I was very open with everything. I mean, I shared it on my social media. So if you knew me in life, you knew what was happening. Okay. Um, and my boss was, I mean, I couldn't have asked for more support there. I mean, she came to my first oncology appointment, right. like that's yeah. how much, and not because she was worried about work. Like she was worried about how she can support me and make sure that, you know, she's being a good friend and boss. And, um, and she got me a laptop right away so that I could work from home when I needed. And she reassured me from the beginning, you know, your job is here. If you take a year off, your job is here. Oh, that's um, wonderful. You know, you're say, and she was very, I mean, huge and making me feel like I don't have to worry about that on top of everything else. Because that is Uh, such a huge stressor too when you know you're worried about needing to go to work if you are able to get um, paid time off or paid leave or being on disability where you don't necessarily have any income coming in and then potentially having your job being terminated because it's such an expense for the employer. Like it just like makes my blood boil that like we're just kind of in this society too, where we are so grateful to have such lucky employers with benefits where, you know, down the street, you know, someone else could be in a completely different predicament. Yeah, exactly. So that was great. And that made it easy. And, um, you know, to feel like I could rest when I needed to rest, but I also, I wanted to feel normal. I wanted to keep working. And I felt like she was also really, you know, respectful and accommodating of, basically just trusting me and letting I let her know what worked and when I needed to rest and when I didn't um, I I work in events and weddings so I just worked in the office during that time I didn't go to our actual events because Mm. I was like there's no way I could do that I mean just energy wise it was not happening aside from being you know aware of exposure to other people and so many stuff like that but um yeah so I worked pretty much full time through all of it last year so And so with the cold caps, it looks like you had like great success with that, which is wonderful news. Did you end up still losing like eyebrows and eyelashes and other hair follicles? Yeah. Um, and I still, so even on my hair, so I like over half of this is extension. So I'll start with that. But um, well, it looks I, fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> um, I lost over half my hair, I would say. Um, so you're still losing a lot. So it's, again, to me, it was still worth it, but it's definitely not something you can do and expect to look exactly the same afterwards, at least for me. Um, I think everyone's different. Um, but I still lost, yeah, probably over half. And I didn't lose my eyelashes or eyebrows until the very end, which I lost all my other hair. I mean, after one round, everything was gone, like body hair wise. Um, but my eyelashes and my eyebrows hung on until honestly, the very, very end of chemo, probably around my last infusion, um, which my cold cap guy, I feel like I learned a lot from him because he's talked to so many people and everything, but um, he had told me that a lot of people that's common because 
your eyebrows and lashes don't fall out until the new hair starts growing and pushing them out. Mm. I don't know if that's the case, but he said, that's what he told me. Um, and so I did lose, I mean, I don't feel like I lost like every single eyebrow, but definitely like super, super sparse enough that I felt like with makeup, I could like make it work. Mm. Um, but towards the end, I feel like looking back now, I kind of joke with some of my friends. I like see pictures and I'm like, you guys all told me that like, I looked fine. And I like did not look fine. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys are really good at like making me feel good though. Cause I thought I was like totally fine at the time. Right. And I look back now and I'm like, oh no, I looked like sick for sure. Oh yeah. I think that's when I felt like I looked the most sick as well. And you know, you're right. Like when you lose all other parts of your hair, I realized like how important having like nose hair is. I had like a runny nose for like 12 weeks. It was the worst. Yeah. And I'm like, those little nose hairs do something. And <laughs> like the yeah. eyelashes, I would, like kept having to put eye drops in my eyes and like the dust would just come in because you didn't have the eyelashes. You're just like, yeah. oh my God, what's happening? So yeah. Yeah. So I didn't, I felt like that was, you know, a couple months maybe of a lot less eyebrows and lashes but um I also feel like it was right when like surgery was I wasn't doing anything anyway so it wasn't like right. the, end of the world for me I was like I'm pretty much home and like resting anyways so mm-hmm. um wasn't right. too bad other question I'm like dying to know with the cold caps do you get like brain freeze I'm thinking like if your head is just so cold like when you eat ice cream too fast yeah um the first one so um they come up with a plan for how long you have to wear it based on your treatment so I was having like the max dose of AC. So I did an hour before chemo. I had to wear it all during your infusion. And I had to wear it for eight hours afterwards when I got home. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and so again, that fluctuates. Give like So I got to do a little bit less, I feel like, after when I was on the Taxol. Um, so it all kind of depends. But the first one of the day that they would put on was almost unbearable. I feel like every time I'd show up to chemo and I'd be like, okay, it's going to be good today. Like, it's going to be fine. And then he would put that thing on and I was like, no one talked to me. No one look at me. Like I'm so miserable. Um, oh. it's, it's unbearably cold. You, you put like a maxi pad, like on your forehead, because if it touches your skin, it can freeze your skin. And, um, it's not, I got instant, really, really bad headaches. It's also really, really, really tight. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only is it cold, but I feel like the tightness of it just, I could barely open my mouth. It's just really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but the, coldness goes away pretty or you stop feeling it pretty quick Mm -hmm. so like everyone's like oh are you freezing all day and I'm like no I mean after two cap changes I'd lost most of the feeling and it was just yeah it was fun um but it is the first one you're like oh I'm I'm gonna die this is so cold so when you went home for like those eight hours did you still have to change the cap every 20 minutes yep wow was your cap guy with you there he was, yeah. So he came home, came to the house with us, hung out. Um, he was great. We loved it. We, like, joked. We're like, you know, you're part of the family now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, so he would change it. And so with AC, again, it was so hard because I was so tired. So I would, like, sleep kind of sitting up on the couch, and they would just kind of tap me every 20 minutes. I'd sit up. They'd change it, and I'd fall back asleep. Right, yeah. It's the second he would take off that last one, I pretty much, like – just like walked into bed and was asleep for the next three days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the coldness is tall. It's honestly just the longness of the day and the tightness. Like, I mean, I think for me, the hardest part of chemo was the cold gap. Like mm-hmm. that was hands down the hardest part. Okay. Did you have to use like special shampoo or anything? Yeah. So, oh, that's a whole other thing about the cold cap. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah. There's lots of rules with the cold cap, mostly just to try to reduce hair loss. So, 
You can't put your hair, what hair you do save all during the chemo process. You can't put your hair up in a ponytail. Um, you cannot, you have to sleep with like a silk pillowcase. Um, and you have to avoid all forms of steam. Um, so you can, you have to take cold showers. Oh my gosh. Um, so even if you're not washing your hair, you have to take a cold shower. Um, yeah. You are a I've- brave woman. Like, <laughs> Yeah, well, I just felt like, so basically he told me, right, like, if you take a hot shower, is it mean you're going to lose all your hair? No, but like, here's all the things I'm telling you that like promote the best success. And so I was like, if I'm doing this, if I'm spending all this money and I'm going through this pain, like I'm going to do it the right way. hundred percent. So I followed everything to like a T. Um, so you're supposed to like, try not to wash your hair. Um, you had to change your deodorant. Um, and then when you do wash your hair, you had to use like a sulfate paraben free, mm-hmm. um, shampoo and which I feel like again at this point I've changed a lot of that stuff anyways um but yeah and you just have to be super super gentle like I had basically had to turn when I washed my hair I had to turn the water just so it was like trickling mm-hmm. and any water pressure would make it fall out more and yeah, yeah so you so took like all the precautions little- and you were like meeting the the cold cap halfway right like it was doing its job and you were doing your job so like if you you know do all this and then you take like a steamy hot shower day and it like opens your fall clothes you're gonna lose more like hair and stuff mm. so that makes sense. Yeah. Good. Well, it sounds like very educational and that you had like all the right tools, which is great. My radiologist, I feel like he gave me this really good analogy that I feel like made sense. Um, he pretty much said like, okay, so you get cancer and like, basically it's like a glass shattered inside of you. And there's like all these shards everywhere. And he's like, so you had chemo, which is what you do first, right? Like you get a towel and you like pick up all those like huge chunks and like everything out. So that's all gone. And then you had surgery which was like getting the broom and like sweeping it all. And you're like, okay, great. Like it looks like totally clear. Nothing's there. And he's like, but a couple of weeks later you're walking around and there's like those teeny tiny little like things that still get you. And he's like, you should have gone around with dust buster and like <laughs> got all those little last pieces. And he's like, that's my job. Like I'm the dust buster and I'm getting everything that like everyone else can't see. And I feel like when he said that, I was like, Oh, like this is great. Like you should tell everyone. This yeah. Story. That is a great analogy. I love that. Yeah. Um, and so he was like given, that you're young, you know, we're not trying to prolong your life. 10 more years, we're trying to prolong it, you know, 50 more years. Yes, exactly. Um, we want to be aggressive with this. And so he recommended like the max. Do- so I did um, six weeks radiation. Yeah. And yeah. how did your skin respond to it all? Um, it was pretty good, actually. Um, I mean, pretty much a couple days in, I feel like I could already see it getting red, but it stayed pretty minimal for four weeks, I would say. Um, I was religious about the lotion. Yes. Um, the calendula lotion, I feel like worked really, really well for me. Um, and then I did the like CeraVe kind of thick aquaphor stuff at night. Um, and my radiologist also told me that surprisingly he thinks fair skin people tend to do better with radiation. Mm. Um, and so I felt like I was pretty good through that. And then my last two weeks it definitely got a little worse and then I feel like I also don't think I did it high enough um I got like one really bad burn spot on my collarbone mm. uh, and the last week that kind of I mean not like totally blistered but was definitely cracking and um but I feel like just when it started to get like oh this is getting bad is when I finished so right. it yeah. was tolerable for sure yeah yeah it's amazing how just like going in for like less than 15 minutes can like wipe you out and make you so fatigued for the rest of the day. I always had these like big objectives of like, okay, I'm going to go in for radiation. And then like 
walk on the treadmill and like try and get some exercise because I gained so much weight during the chemotherapy that I was like, okay, I need to at least move. And oh my God, I was like, I'm going to walk into the bedroom and fall asleep. (laughs) I feel like the radiation made me too tired. Um, Nothing like, I feel like I was way more tired on the chemo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it still, yeah, like I feel like it in general, your energy is just nowhere near. Totally. What, I mean, I still been, I've finished treatment last October and I still feel like I'm like not always a hundred percent back. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely takes a while. And yeah. you bring up a really good point too. So you just finished like less than a year ago and how has the transition like post-active treatment been? Um, it's been pretty good. I feel like, you know, I was pretty positive during the whole thing. And I, like I said, I've incredible support um I have amazing friends and family and everything so um it's been pretty good I feel like it's um you know there's times where you're like oh man like so I was triple negative so I don't respond to any hormone so it's pretty much the day I left radiation they were like okay you're done you know there's no pills you're taking there's no that and it's a very weird feeling to feel like I was literally at the doctors every single day for the last nine months. And now I'm just like on my own. Yes. Um, I felt super anxious, about like not seeing my oncologist. And I want to be like, can I come in for a PET scan like once a week? Like this would just make me feel so much better. And um, so I do feel like there's just a lot of anxiety about just the change in that um, and not feel like, I feel like people were constantly checking me and monitoring me and then feeling like no one was looking at me anymore. Sure. Um, but I do have a great, you know, oncologist and she was supportive with, and she, she's seeing me every three months. So I'm still seeing her <clears throat> pretty frequently Yeah. Uh, on top of scans and different things I have to do too. But, um, overall, I think it's been pretty good. I found, you know, a few local, um, you know, nonprofit groups that I've kind of joined in and done like survivorship workshops and things to great. You know, make sure I'm taking care of myself and staying on top of it. And cause I feel like I do still feel pretty good, but I get nervous. Like some days this all going to hit me and I'm going to like have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> or, um, but overall, I feel like I felt pretty good through it other than, like I said, the anxiety kind of, of just the change and trying to go back to normal. Right. Realizing I never will go back to original normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I still feel like I get just anxious about reoccurrence. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think we all do. I, headache, I like spiral. I'm like, oh, this is it. It's a brain tumor. <laughs> like, Yes. Uh, I went into the doctors um, this summer because the allergies in Boston have been terrible. And so I had this like cough and cold for like weeks and it wasn't going away. And I was taking yeah. like the Claritin and I was taking cough medicine and halls and all this great stuff. And it just wasn't going away. So I'm like, you know, peace of mind. Let me just go. And um, plus my colleagues at work were like so supportive. They're like, just get the good stuff. Like go in and get the cough syrup and like, you know, you'll be fine. And because of my breast cancer history, my primary wanted to actually do an x-ray of my chest and my lungs. And one time. Oh my God. I was like not expecting that. I'm like, no, no, no. We do like mammograms once a year. Like we're good. I'm just coming in for the cold. And they're like, no, we're going to send you upstairs and you're going to get some x-rays. And then I got a call back. They wanted to do a second x-ray. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I was not expecting this at all. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what did you find? What does that mean? I'm like Googling, like, can you? I would definitely spiral out of control. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm like on Google trying to figure out, like, can you use like chest x-rays as a diagnostic for breast cancer? Like, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, luckily, it was it came back all normal. They just wanted to um, verify because of the lumpectomy, because of all the scar tissue, that it was actually just scar tissue and not something that they were more concerned about a collapsed lung or anything like that. But horrifying, definitely horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah but I think that's a normal feeling, even like this day. Like some days I don't think about cancer at all. Other days I think about it way too much. And, you know, I was walking into work the other day and was just like, I'm healthy. Like, when was the last time I was like healthy, you know? And it's like almost surreal because you're so used to being like the patient and managing cancer. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I've had that a few times recently where I'm like, I just think of where I was last year and how like, you know, hard it is and scary and all those things. And now I'm doing well and I'm happy. And and it's like, I know I deserve that and it's a good thing, but sometimes you get a little like nervous of like, oh, well, is like something bad going to happen or I don't know. It's just, you can't really help, yeah. but kind of go there sometimes. Oh, absolutely. But... <laughs> now, are you going to any of like the, like young survivor coalition conferences or living beyond breast cancer? I know there's a couple you were mentioning, like nonprofits you're getting involved in. Um, I haven't gone to any of those. Um, yeah, there's a couple local ones that I've done stuff with. Um, and I did like a six week survivorship program through one of those where we went like weekly and, um, that was great. I feel like I got like, you know, little group of women that we still even though the class is ended still meet up and, and get together and support each other and we have group texts and emails and things um, that's, so that's awesome. great um I haven't done too much else um like I said I feel like for me a huge a lot of people said oh you feel so alone or you know that's like part of your the scariness of all of it and mm-hmm. I again I'm very lucky that that wasn't a fear for me at all last year like even though yes like no one was like it wasn't happening to them. I still felt like, you know, my roommate who took off every single chemo day from work to come with me, like she was going through it too. Like she was in it. Mm -hmm. She was with me. She saw it. Um, I mean, I was diagnosed on February 6th by February 8th. All my friends had literally booked me a flight, paid for my tip. Like we were in Disneyland. Like we just, they took me and they're like, Hey, we're here. And you're not, you're not doing cancer for three days. Like, that's awesome. I didn't Mm -hmm. feel like, so that part to me, I didn't feel like I needed to fill as much. So I haven't done too much of the, I've done a few like young survivor meetup things. Um, but overall, I feel like, again, I've never felt this like alone kind of feeling. Yeah. Um, and so I haven't like seeked out that as much. Sure. Um, but I've started, I was got involved with um, like the breast cancer walk through like making strides, like American Cancer Society. So I did that last year and got, I'm in a wedding this year, so I can't do the walk this year, but yeah. still been involved in helping them with like their social media and different things like that. Um, I spoke at their kickoff event a couple weeks ago. Awesome. Um, so still, you know, getting involved in doing stuff, but yeah. Uh, we'll have to make you like one of our ambassadors for the Bay Area for surviving breast cancer. <laughs> yeah. We're, um, it's on my bucket list to plan a retreat for next summer. So save the date. It's going to be, okay. um, on June 21st, which is the weekend of June 21st, which coincides with the summer solstice. And we're hoping to um, get some space in Western Massachusetts, which is just like beautiful on the lake, do cooking um, and kind of keeping it small and intimate. So that way we can really like, you know, focus on like connections and just wellness and all that good stuff. So stay tuned for that. It'll be great to get you on the West, on the East coast. Yeah. Sounds good. (laughs) Awesome. Is there any topic that you would like to like conclude with that we haven't already touched upon or tips and advice? I love your like whole attitude. You're you're so balanced, I want to say, right? You're like, I want to do, I want to have all the available options available to me, right? Is that's what I'm hearing. Like the egg retrieval, the cold caps, the 
like your positive energy going through all of this, just knowing that you're doing the best that you can and that that satisfies you alone. And I think that's just such a positive mindset to carry. Yeah, I feel like, and I just tried to focus on like one thing at a time. Um, so a lot of times I'd be like, you know, in chemo, people be asking about like radiation or so. I'm like, no, like I have one day at a time right now. And yes. I'm just trying to like focus on what I'm doing and doing what I'm doing well. And as soon as, and as we progress, we'll progress and I'll get there. But I very much was like day to day last year, even like making plans in advance, like really stressed me out. And I'm a, a wedding planner, event planner. So <laughs> I'm a planner yes. in every aspect of my life. And I just last year, like I felt like I didn't want to be let down with things. So I didn't want to schedule like a trip and then find out like I couldn't go or couldn't do it. And so I kind of right. didn't do as much um, because I was nervous about like, oh, I'm going to book this like amazing trip with all my friends. And then my doctors would be like, no, you're not well enough to go or we have sure. to change your treatment or things like that. And so I just kind of like, took it day by day. And I was like, okay, I feel good. So this weekend, yeah, let's go do this. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that worked for me. So that's wonderful. Um, yeah. But I don't think there's, you know, anything else too crazy that, you know, we didn't talk about. I feel like, you know, like you said, the egg retrieval and the cold cap and all that was a big part of it. Um, yeah. but yeah, overall, I mean, like I said, it, I feel like the second opinion thing. And I mean, everyone says be your own advocate, but I've met a lot of other young survivors who, found the lump themselves, went to the doctor and they, all their doctors were like, you're too young. Let's watch it for six months. Don't worry about it. And I'm so grateful that I had a doctor that didn't do that because you probably would have trusted your doctor and why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. And so I'm really grateful because I, I mean, not to be morbid, but mine was aggressive. And I'm like, I would have been in a very different situation had I waited six months. I mean, I for sure would have been minimally stage three, if not further. Sure. Uh, and so I'm, I mean, I just feel like, you know, if you do find something or something's not right, like listening to yourself and luckily my doctor did support that. But if they didn't, I mean, I would just say, keep pushing, right. keep making sure that it is normal because it's not worth. Yeah. It's not, not worth waiting. Yeah. Have the peace of mind, be able to sleep at night and yeah. Yeah. And if it comes back positive, at least you caught it and then you can be aggressive about it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, okay. yeah, cause I think that sometimes like, oh, well, what if I would have waited, you know, what would have happened and at least now I'm a year later and I could be here and healthy and I might not be in that situation had I not so all the what ifs I mean that keeps me up at night for sure (laughs) so yeah (laughs) well Caitlin this has been so much fun I am so glad that you were able to take the time this morning and join us on our podcast this is wonderful yeah thanks for having me Well, thank you everyone for joining me on this lovely Thursday I hope you have a beautiful day we release podcasts once a week usually on Mondays and every now and then you get a bonus like today. And I also want to make sure that you guys are aware we just started and launched our Patreon account. So be sure to hop on over to Patreon, look up Breast Cancer Conversations. And if you're enjoying the content that you hear, please feel free to support us through Patreon. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast are from personal experiences and are not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always contact your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. Until next time, keep on thriving.